I love to hear from the Holy Spirit and see what He's saying. I love it when He begins to speak through His body, and that is something as a congregation and as a group of people, what we've wanted to do is posture ourselves in such a way that we can become a functioning part of His body. And we begin to see messages come through the week and the Holy Spirit speaking in the, in, in, in the, in the prophetic to us. And I love that song, Here's My Heart, Lord. Speak what is true. I love that Linda comes up and says that some of us are still in the tomb and He's wanting to roll away the stone of our heart. And the first song, it says, you called my name and I ran out of that grave. And my prayer is tonight that as he calls each and every one of our names, that we would respond by running out of that grave that we would respond by rolling away that tombstone and come running out of that grave into the fullness of what God has for us. Can we pray, please? Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. Would you speak what is true? Amen. It would be quite a simple and easy thing for us to stand up here every weekend and to have a very well-polished sermon. It would be an easy thing for us to stand up here and find something that is good, good advice, good counsel, good encouragement, good practical lessons. And those things in and of themselves are not a bad thing. In fact, they probably are a good thing. But what we've endeavored to do as a congregation, as a group of people, is not settle for what is a good thing, but settle for something that God is bringing to us. As God led the people of Israel through the wilderness, they would position and posture themselves in such a way that their eyes were forever on His presence. In the day, He manifested His presence through a pillar of a cloud, and at night it was a pillar of fire. And my prayer is that we would become a people that position ourselves in such a way and posture ourselves in such a way that as God moves, we move with. You see, good can only take you so far. But it's in God that we reach the fullness and the freedom that He has for us. And my prayer is that we wouldn't settle for good. That we would not settle for that which is good, but we would go after everything that God has for us as a people. The same God that formed the universe, that holds the galaxies in His hands, is speaking to us here today. Would we listen? As an eldership, we spend time every single day praying for this congregation. We're wanting to know, God, what are you saying to Sunningdale PM? Not just some generic message, not something that I think sounds cool or might be good, but God, what are you saying to us as a people, to your body here tonight? What is it you're trying to impart, instruct? Where are you leading us and guiding us, God? So we want to stay close to you in your presence, to hear your voice, to be by the side of our shepherd. And so often, 
trickle by trickle and drip by drip, God begins to speak. And then God will lay something on Clarence's heart. And then God will lay something on Nikki's heart and on Lee's heart and on Azalea's heart and Kim's heart and on Dion and Kim. And then we, we, we bring our little bit of portion and say, I, I feel God's saying this. And they bring theirs and I bring mine and Nikki and Tanya. And slowly but surely, every little drip, every little trickle is brought together and we begin to see a river establishing itself. Because God doesn't want us to operate in isolation. He doesn't want one man to have everything. Because that doesn't reflect Him. It doesn't reflect His nature and His purpose and plan for our lives. So as an eldership, we bring, I'm sensing this, I'm feeling that. And slowly but surely, we begin to hear God speaking. As each one of us adds our peace. At first, you look at your peace and you think, you know, this doesn't make much sense. But as you begin to add it to another, you begin to see the picture. And I would encourage every one of us here in Sunningdale, add your peace. It doesn't matter, Candace and Andre, if you can't make sense of it. This is our life. Like, how does this contribute to the life of the church? Just bring it. And God knows. Because every piece in and of itself looks broken. The edges are rough. It's jagged. It makes no sense. But as you bring your contribution, your peace, your function in God, you begin to complete me. And I begin to complete you. And it's no longer a part of the body trying to find its function. It's a part of the body knowing its position. And from a place of position, a son and daughter in the house of God, we function without corruption. We function without rebellion. We function without isolation and disconnection. We function fulfilling one another. My calling is to help unlock Janet's calling. And Janet's calling is to help unlock Michelle's calling. And Michelle's calling, Keenan's calling. And one by one, we hold the pieces to complete the puzzle. So I believe that God has spoken to us as an eldership. I genuinely do. And what I'm asking you tonight to do is posture and position yourself in a way that you are ready to receive, that you are ready for God to move you forward. Posture and position yourself in such a way that we honor God's word when it's spoken, that we honor God's voice when it's spoken, that we know right now the cloud is moving. I'm not going to look to my right or to my left. I don't want to take my eyes off the presence of God because I know He is moving us forward here tonight. Can we posture our hearts in that way? I want to ask Clarence just to come touch on what he touched on last week so we can, you'll begin to see God's got a stream and a flow going. So the, last week I spoke about rising from the supper to serve. And Jesus could, could move away from the feed me to the washing of the disciples' feet because his identity was sorted. And I spoke about the importance of having our identity in Christ versus image. Because the problem with image, it's a photoshopped selfie of who we, how we want the world to see us. And the problem with that is when we focus on image, we start to integrate our brokenness into what should be our identity. And that all becomes messed up. So when we're not, when we're not anchored in, in Jesus, when our identity is not in Christ and we want to present an image, we are susceptible 
to all the various kinds of fears, and especially the fear of man. There is a river of life flowing here tonight. Come drink, come wash, come and jump in. So as Clarence spoke there, we feel God really highlighting things in our identity. Because if we're not functioning in our identity, we can never inherit the things that God has for us. If we're not functioning in our identity and who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us, we'll always be on the outside looking in. And inevitably our hearts will, will never be fully free. I read something so good this week. And you know when you read one of those pictures on social media and it's a couple of lines and it's so simple and so obvious, yet it impacts you in such a beautiful way. It strikes you like, wow, this, I wasn't expecting this. And the thing that I read, it says, synchronization with God is forfeited the moment we fear man. Synchronization with God is forfeited the moment we fear man. To be synchronized means to come into agreement, to come into alignment, and to come into rhythm with, to have the same timing if we're synchronized. You know, a beautiful picture would probably be synchronized swimming or something like that where they move together in perfect harmony. When we invite the fear of man into our lives, we break that harmony with God. We are in disharmony. We are out of His time, out of His plans and purposes, and ultimately out of agreement with Him. Proverbs 29 verse 25, it says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. What is the fear of man? The fear of man in its most simplistic form is when you place a higher value on what man thinks rather than what God thinks. The fear of man is when man's opinion, man's thoughts are more important to you than what God thinks and what God's opinion is. You know, we look in the scripture and it says the fear of man will prove to be a snare. That same word snare there can be used as bait or a lure. So the fear of man, what it actually does is it's like bait. And it lures you in and before you know it, you're hooked and you spend the rest of your life being dragged back and forth by the opinions of man. You spend the rest of your life making decisions based on what others think. And the problem with that is it only gets worse and worse. And as the fear of man grips you, it pulls you further and further away from where you originally intended to be. And it's virtually impossible to get off unless you take that hook out. So the fear of man is a bait that lures you in, that hooks you, and ultimately prevents you from moving forward, moving back, moving left, moving right. You're unable to walk in freedom. You're unable to walk in fullness. Because no matter what you do, you have that relentless, unceasing question, but what will they think? What will they think? If I come back a completely transformed human being, what will they think? <laughs> it's brave. 
If I go dance wildly, where is she? She knows I'm talking. Please stand up quick. You're going to... Um, okay, guys, so Wednesday evening, I don't know if you were here, but I had a moment where I said to Luke, I think the moment of it all was Nikki's face, where I said, I, I think I feel I have to go and dance on the stage, and his face went like this to this, and then, but I waited till the last moment. I felt like God said to me, go and dance, but I... I felt like, and I felt it before in a previous meeting, I was like, God, I can't. And I felt it so strongly this time. I felt like, if I don't go, I'm going to lose the presence of God. And I, I felt like he's worthy. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of my embarrassment. It doesn't matter what I look at. I've said to a friend of mine, it, it was hilarious, but it was liberating. And, yeah, and, I, and I, yeah, I just felt that's what I had to do. And I don't, I didn't, it broke something in me. It broke something in me to go up and like, I'm the last person. I felt like I want to also say, for me, it was, I'm too cool for that, you know. But with God, he asked me and, and he's worthy of it. So. How long have you been a part of Josh Jen for? 14. How many times have you got up on stage? In 14 years, it's the first time she's got up on stage. And it was liberating. It was freeing. It was something broke open. And I want to tell you, there's an opportunity here today to roll that stone away and to come running out of your grave. I want to tell you, there's a spirit here today that wants to see you in freedom, wants to see you in liberty, wants to see you walking in the fullness of God or what God has for you. But we've got to roll some stones away. And our life becomes governed but what will they think? What will they think if I put my hand up? Because I've been in church for 14 years, 15 years. I'm supposed to be spiritually mature. I'm supposed to be a calm lead. I'm a deacon. I'm an elder. They, they think I'm so strong. What will happen if I put my hand up? What will they think? What will they think if I, if I respond and come forward? What will they think if I run wildly? What will they think if I change? And we don't realize that. We're being governed by the voices of others. And our entire life becomes controlled by this one question. What will they think? And inside I'm burning. Inside I'm dying. Inside I want to do that. I know it's the right thing, but still, what will they think? And this is only where it starts. This is only where it begins, where what will they think? Because Slowly but surely, the nature of sin, sin leads to more sin, and sin leads to more sin. And eventually, before we know it, sin leads to death, and those things that we once wanted to do are now dead and buried because they've been in that tomb so long. And the very nature of sin is to rob, kill, and destroy, and we've allowed the fear of man, the opinion of man, what others think, to rob, kill, and destroy us. They rob us of our freedom, they kill us of our calling, and they destroy our destiny in God. Because I'm so busy thinking, what will they think? And so many of us here are sitting here today with such gifts, such talents, such ability, such freedom waiting for us. But we've got that hook. What will they think? The fear of man, it becomes the governing voice in your life. 
You hear God and you feel God, but ultimately the person makes the decision is you. Because I've given authority, control, I've given influence to you. The fear of man decides what I do, what I say, what I think, and how I live. And like sin, little by little it creeps into us. And what started off as, I'm just shy, I'm just introverted, I'm, I'm quiet, I'm backfooted. What started off as all of these excuses that we have, slowly but surely, without even knowing it, I've placed the opinion of man on the throne of my heart. And it's no longer God who sits on the throne of my heart. Slowly but surely, I've placed the opinion of man on the throne of my heart because I got hooked and they lured me in closer and closer, day by day. I allowed man to make decision and decision, to influence and influence, and now, sitting in the seat of government, the king and ruler of my heart is you. And for some of us here today, the people we fear the most are the ones to our right and left. Because we're in a house where we're supposed to be something. We're supposed to live up to a standard, an image. And God is saying, if you let go of your image, I'll give you identity. If you let go of your image, I'll give you identity. And there's a divine exchange here today. But until we dethrone the fear of man in our hearts, we can't move forward. We can't move back because we caught on that hook. And for many of us, there are quite a few fishermen here. I'm not a fisherman, but I understand the basics of it. When you look at that bait floating in the water, it looks like the real thing. It feels like the real thing. But only once you've bitten do you realize it's not the real thing and it's too late. And for many of us, we've come into this place looking for family, looking for friends, looking for belonging. And all of those things are good, but if you allow it to sit on the throne of your heart and allow belonging and allow popularity and allow family and friends and relationship to govern you, you've taken the bait. God wants all of those things for you. He wants you in family. He wants you in friends. He wants, he wants you in a place where you belong, but he doesn't want that to sit on the throne of your heart. It leads us into disobedience because it no longer matters what God thinks. As long as they think I'm okay. As long as they think I'm cool. As long as the image I'm projecting impresses them. It doesn't matter where my identity is. As long as they look at me and think I look godly, it does not matter what God thinks when he looks at me. As long as they look at me and think I'm godly, it doesn't really matter what God thinks. It's a distant second. And what has happened is, we have unknowingly created an idol. We've unknowingly placed an idol in our heart and the fear of man is now my God. And like most things, it starts off with such good intentions. Like most things, it starts off looking so good. 
but we've allowed a fraudulent voice to lead us, to guide us. We've allowed an imposter to sit in the throne of our heart. And it feels good sometimes because affirmation feels good. It feels good sometimes because popularity feels good. It feels good sometimes. But it's no longer God who sits on the throne. It's the idolatry of man. 1 John 5 verse 21, John writes and says, Dear children, he's pleading, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And maybe part of the reason we're stuck in that tomb and the stone hasn't been rolled away is because we haven't fled from the opinion of man and the fear of man. We haven't fled because everyone is keeping us captive in their definition of us and who they think we are. And I'm stuck because everyone thinks Luke is this and that. And I'm wanting to come out of my tomb, but I can't because the voice of man governs who I am and what I can and can't do. Flee, my children, from idols. At all costs, run away. In Jonah 2 verse 8, it says, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And sometimes the, the word idol is big and scary, but it's small and sneaky. It's subtle and creeps in. And Jonah is saying, the moment you set your heart on something else other than God, you lose his love. You lose his connection. You lose that relationship. It says that we turn away from God's love. The moment we set our hearts on what man thinks, we turn away from his love and what he thinks. And I know, I know many of us will be sitting here today thinking, that's not me. I don't care what people think. Johanny still thinks she doesn't care what people think, but it took her 14 years for one dance. Because it, it seems weak for me to think, I'm a, you know, I care what people think. No one wants that. No one, no one wants to believe that. So everyone here, including myself, will say, I don't care what people think. And maybe it's true. Maybe you are an incredibly unique individual. And perhaps some of us here today, that might be true. But before we make that decision and say, I don't care what anyone thinks, I want to tell you a, a story. Because that same position, me, all of you care, but not me, I don't care, was the position that Peter took with Jesus. And we find the disciples sitting with Jesus the night before he's about to be crucified. And Jesus says to them, you will all fall away. This is Jesus speaking. You will all fall away for it is written that they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Why will they be scattered? Because they'll care what man thinks. They'll be scared of what man is saying. They'll be scared of the condemnation that is to come. So Jesus is speaking to them and saying, you will all be scattered. You will all run away. In fact, he quotes scripture and says, I'm not the only one saying this. It was written and prophesied hundreds and thousands of years ago. All of you will run. And then Peter, as perhaps some of us today, declares, even if every other falls away, I will not. And perhaps some of us are yet here today. Perhaps you're saying, 
Ha, Luke's raising a good point. I bet you that many people here that are battling with the fear of man. Everyone is battling, but not me. Not me. And I want to ask you as we move forward in this conversation, just perhaps consider and be open to the idea that maybe, maybe you are more susceptible to the voice of man than you might think. That maybe there just might be one area in your life where the enemy is speaking into and allowing man to influence your decisions and your actions. Peter says, everyone but not me. I have, I have created no idol in my heart. That isn't me. Everyone else but not me. You know, at this stage, Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. So we're not talking about just a regular Christian. We're talking about a man at this stage who had walked on water, who had raised the dead. We're talking about a man that had done every possible miracle that was in Jesus' inner circle. An incredibly strong, courageous, brave warrior that defended Jesus at every corner. Peter was not just another man. He was a formidable, incredible, courageous man. So when Peter says this and declares this, he probably has the track record and the CV to back it up. But Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, truly even you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. He looks at him and says, even you will deny me. The strongest, the bravest, Jesus' right-hand man, even you will. And Peter looks back and says, I will never deny you. And you might be looking at me today and saying, I have no fear of man in me. I don't care what man thinks. Not me. Everyone else will run. Everyone else will betray you, Jesus. Everyone else will deny you, but not me. Everyone else is, has the fear of man in them. Everyone else cares what people think, but not me. Most of us know how the story continues, but I'd like us to read it together in Mark 14, 66 to 72. And it says, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the, of the high priest came by. So to paint the picture here, Jesus has now been arrested. Jesus has now been taken before the Sanhedrin and all the religious leaders. And it says, Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you are also with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. Are we going to the next one, guys? I'll read from here. So he denies Jesus and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me. And he broke down and wept. 
We all know the story. And what we see here is one of Jesus' strongest, bravest, most committed. The fear of man crept into his heart. And the fear of man began to govern and rule. What I love about this is that it wasn't even a man. It was a little servant girl. It wasn't some big, strong, intimidating man coming to him and saying, you are with Jesus. It wasn't some esteemed leader of power. It was some little servant girl. The voice of a little servant girl that said, aren't you with Jesus? The voice of a little servant girl crept into his heart and caused fear to run rampant. Crept into his heart and became the governing voice within him. Even the smallest voice is a dangerous voice. Because even the smallest voice can echo in your heart. Even the smallest voice can sow seeds of doubt and fear within you that begin to take hold. What small, seemingly insignificant voice do you have whispering at the depths of your heart? Sometimes we expect a loud, authoritative, intimidating voice, but sometimes it's a little servant girl. It's a little voice, a little whisper that comes and says, no, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. They're going to think this. They're going to think that. And sometimes the smallest voice can actually be the loudest voice. So before any of us respond as Peter did, before we sit back and go, that's not me, that's you, or that's others, please take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and to posture ourselves in such a way that we would consider what we feel God is saying here today. Do you have little voices speaking into your life that are causing you to doubt who you are and what you should do, that are causing you to doubt your identity, and that are telling you to portray an image instead of to adopt an identity. A little while later in Peter's journey, after Jesus had died and resurrected, so Jesus is now dead and he's resurrected, and a little while later, Jesus goes looking for Peter. And Jesus finds Peter fishing. Fishing. Peter had walked away and given up on his ministry. Peter had given up on all the plans and purposes for his life. He'd given up on dreaming and believing and hoping for the best and more in God. This is a man that touched every part of the, of the earth and every nation and people all around. And here we find him fishing. Peter, a disciple who had walked with Jesus, a disciple who had walked on water, was now a disciple who had walked away from it all because of one small voice. He now walked away from everything. Peter had walked away from everything because he had allowed the fear of man to sit in the throne of his heart. Here we find a fisherman who had taken the bait, who had been lured in and was now hooked and the enemy could drag him wherever he wanted to. The enemy had robbed him of his freedom. 
The enemy had killed his calling. And the enemy was in the process of destroying Peter's destiny as he sat there in his little boat, having walked away from everything. And perhaps for some of us here tonight, the fear of man has robbed us of our freedom. The fear of man and that overwhelming, looming question of, of what will they think stops us from coming forward, stops us from doing things, stops us from making decisions, stops us from living in freedom. The fear of man is robbing us of our freedom. For some of us here tonight, the freedom of the, the fear of man is, is, is killing our calling because you're sitting here tonight. You've got gifts. You've got, you've got, you've got, there's, there's things in your life and talents that God's given you that you can build and bless and impact the kingdom of God for, but you're sitting down not wanting to move and we call it shy and backfooted. We call it all these things we defend at all costs but in reality we've allowed voices to kill the calling of God in our life for some of us sitting here tonight the fear of man is busy destroying your destiny you might not be right with God your life might be in tatters it might be all over the place but because you're scared of what they will think, I can't be vulnerable, I can't be open. Because you're scared of what they think, I can't come forward, I can't engage, I'm hidden in shame and fear. And little by little, the devil is pulling you in, more and more into destruction, more and more into isolation, more and more into disconnection. And it gets worse and worse, because you're looking back and you're so far from where you should be. That what's the point of turning back now? Perhaps... The fear of man is having more of an impact in our lives than we might know. Perhaps like Peter, some of us have given up. We're sitting in our boats and we've gone back to all we know. We've gone back to all we're good at. We've gone back. being isolated and disconnected. Perhaps some of us are like that tonight. The beauty of it is that's not where the story ends. It says that Jesus went looking for Peter. Jesus goes looking for him and finds him. And standing on the shore, Jesus sees Peter fishing in the water. And Jesus calls out to him. From afar, far away, Jesus calls out to him and says, Friend. He calls out. Standing on the shore, Jesus calls out to the one who betrayed him, to the one who denied him, to the one that ran away when he needed him the most, to the one that had given up and walked away from everything, to the one that had turned his back on Jesus. Jesus walked over to him, standing on the shore, and he shouts out, friend. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you are. It doesn't matter what you've given up or what you've walked away from. Jesus comes looking for you. And he's looking for you today. And he's standing here going, Friend, friend, I have so much more for you. Friend, I've come to call you back. Friend, I've come to call you to me.
standing on the shore that day, Jesus looks at Peter and he says to him, I will no longer allow the fear of man to govern your heart. He called out from the shore and calls him friend. 1 John 4 verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. When we know how perfectly loved we are by our loving Father, then there's no need to fear. All fear is driven out by His perfect love for us. Perfect love stood on the shore that day and called out to Peter. And in one word, perfect love said friend and drove out all fear. Perfect love came looking for him and found him. Perfect love said forget the image. I'm calling you by your identity. Friend. Could I ask the band to come up please? Jesus is here. He's here today. And just like Peter, Peter thought, no, not me, you. I will never deny him. I will never betray him. I will never walk away from him. I'm too committed. I'm too strong. I'm too passionate. Not me. All of the others will, Jesus, but not me. You could be sitting here today. And you're saying the same thing in your heart. I don't care what people think. I don't have the fear of man in me. All of them do. But just like Peter, how he allowed the voice of a small servant girl to creep into his heart. Have you allowed voices to creep into your heart? Have you allowed voices to govern you and say, what will they think? And maybe like Peter, you've walked away. You've walked away from your gifting, from your ability. Maybe like Peter, you've given up today because it's too difficult. It's too tough. But I want to tell you, like Peter, Peter betrayed Jesus. He denied him. He walked away from him. But Jesus went looking for Peter. Because Jesus loved Peter too much to allow Peter to live under the burden and the bondage of the fear of man. Jesus loved Peter too much to allow Peter to walk away from everything just because of one voice. And I want to tell you today that same Jesus that stood on the shore and cried out to Peter, friend, friend. That same Jesus is here today and he's he's standing on the shores of your heart and he's saying, friend, friend. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
It doesn't matter how far you've drifted. It doesn't matter what you've given up and what you've walked away from. I've come to call you friend. And I've come so that my perfect love for you can drive out all fear. That my perfect love for you can set you free. That my perfect love for you will silence those voices. And when you know how much I love you, when you know that I've come looking for you, when you know that I haven't walked away, I've come to call you friend. He wants to shout friend so he can drown out every accusation against you. He wants to shout friend so loudly to you and call you by your name here today so that every accusation, every condemnation, every voice inside of you saying, what will they think is drowned out? Jesus stands and says, friend, come. If the fear of man is robbing you of your freedom, killing of your calling and destroying your destiny, then today is your day. Today is your moment because perfect love is standing here today and he's crying out to you and he's saying, friend,